I'll make a bet I can throw a football over the mountains. Yeah. Coach would have put me in fourth quarter. We'd have been state champions, no doubt. No doubt in my mind. Hello, hello, and welcome to Garrett Talk Sports. I am your host as always, Garrett Clausen. Um, I actually have no guests today, which is a little odd, but um, I wanted to make sure we got an episode out to you guys um, to kind of break down, we'll call it week one, past, present, and future. Uh, We're going to kind of look at the present landscape of baseball right now, looking to see, you know, what's kind of going on this week and what's kind of headed into the last several weeks where we're going to look at that. Uh, the past, we're going to look back at last weekend's uh, college football games, which were a blast. Um, and we're going to look ahead to both the NFL and college football uh, to see kind of where we're going and some predictions, a little help with your fantasy lineups uh, for the NFL. Um, and we're just we're getting ready for for football season. I mean, it's the greatest time of year. It's fall. It's football season. I'm here for it. I hope you guys are as well. Um, but of course I just want to remind everyone as always, uh, you can always find, follow me on social media. If you have not at this point at Garrett talk sports or G underscore talk sports on pretty much all social media. Um, this is extra important this time around because now that we're kind of into football season, um, and since a big part of the focus of the show is going to be fantasy football, Um, I want to make sure that y'all are following me because if you want the chance to DM me or leave me a comment or even leave me a review on Apple Podcasts um, with questions or lineup advice with your fantasy lineups or any, you know, if you just want to talk, um, I I want you guys to, I want to be here for you guys throughout the season. Um, And my line is always open. So please don't hesitate to to reach out. Um, We also have the voice messages that, um, that you can send in from the show. If you click on the episode description link, both uh, in Spotify and in Apple podcast, there's a link for you to be able to go in and send a physical voice recording um, that I can actually play on the show um, as long as it's uh, appropriate. Um, but uh, yeah, you guys, you guys do those and get those out to me and we'll, uh, we'll make sure to take a look at those and uh, get you guys ready for football. Uh, Cause it, it's here and we're ready to go. Um, but before we get into that, we're going to start today with uh, with baseball and the uh, the current landscape, just kind of where we're at right now. And I mean, we're literally only less than 30 days away from the postseason, which uh, is the best part of baseball by far. It is so much fun. Uh, the atmosphere and the crowds are phenomenal. I'm so, so happy we are past the COVID years of no fans. Um, I plan on going at least to the battery, if not to a game uh, for when the Braves play here in Atlanta uh, in the playoffs, because it's going it, to, the atmosphere is just insane. It's a, it's a total blast. If you haven't had the chance to do it, go do it, go watch playoff baseball. It is a blast. Um, but to start uh, right now, the, the hot topic is Aaron judge. Um, you know, he, he, he's been my MVP favorite for a while now, just because he has just been so phenomenal for the Yankees. Um, for a little bit, though, while the Yankees started to slide as a team, it kind of felt like Aaron Judge's MVP candidacy kind of went with it. Uh, but over the last couple of weeks, he has really turned back on the power. He has turned on the average. He is literally playing phenomenal baseball. And I think at this point, he should win the American League MVP. As of today, which is I'm recording on Thursday night, 
or I'm sorry, recording on Wednesday night, posting on Thursday morning. Um, he's up to 55 homers. That's insane. He is having a phenomenal season. Um, he is probably not going to catch Barry Bonds' record of 73. That seems that's asking a lot with less than a month left to go. Um, but I do think there's a relatively good chance that he can get to the 61 record uh, that Maris had with the Yankees and break the franchise record, which is actually coincidentally also the American League record since you know Bonds, McGuire, Sosa, uh, they were all National League players. So uh, I think there's a realistic chance that he gets to 61, 62 home runs. I would love to see it. I'm ready for that moment just because it's you know we haven't really seen anything close to it. Really, I mean, we saw Giancarlo Stanton hit 57 or uh, high 50s uh, back when he was with the Marlins. But uh, this is this is the chance to see a record broken. And uh, I mean, it's been quite some time since we've seen it. And I, I for one, would love to see it, even though I'm not the world's biggest Yankees fan. But I think it, history is history and you're, you're happy to see it. Um, other than that, in baseball, you've got uh, another exciting. The Braves have officially caught the Mets. Um, which is absolutely insane. Um, I saw that uh, my buddy David Skaggs sent me a, a tweet earlier today showing that uh, the, the 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 Mets are playing above 500 baseball. They're playing like almost 600 baseball, but they still have given up their lead to the Braves because the Braves are playing out of their mind right now. And I know they've had, you know, not not a too tough of a schedule, but it doesn't matter. In baseball, you have to go in and you have to win every, you know, as many games as you can. And the fact that they were at down at like ten and a half games at one point and now are tied um, is amazing. Um, at this point, I think the Braves are going to keep the momentum up and take over the division, which I would love to see uh, because that definitely sets up a better opportunity to see a uh, rubber match of the uh, NLCS between the Braves and Dodgers. <clears throat> So we'll see. We'll see how they finish down the stretch. But uh, they've, as of today, they have officially caught and tied the Mets for that division. Um, and then you got the Dodgers, who are inching closer and closer to locking up the NL West. Their magic number is single digits at this point. They have a, like a nineteen and a half game lead over the Padres for the division. It's all but one at this point. I mean, that would be the world's most epic collapse if they blew a nineteen and a half game lead with like. 27 games left or whatever is left in the season. Uh, I don't anticipate that to happen. Um, what I would like to see for them as a Dodgers fan is for them to continue on this role, play hot, stay, stay fresh, stay healthy, and hopefully clinch the best record in baseball, which they do have a six and a half game lead uh, over the Astros right now. Um, in my opinion, if they can do that, they have a, such a great shot of, uh, of winning the world series because it would have to all go through LA which is such an advantage for them. Um, looking at the NL Central, <clears throat> the Cardinals at this point look like they've pretty much got it in the bag. They would have to have um, a decent collapse. They have an eight and a half game lead over the Brewers, um, which I don't really see happening. I, the, the Brewers have been good, but not good enough to, I think, make up an eight and a half game lead with this short of time left. So I do think that they'll uh, they'll take that division. Um, now the wild card race. In the National League, in my opinion, feels set because the uh, the Braves have such a lead. I mean, they have a ten and a half game lead for the number one wild card spot. If they don't, or the, well, the Braves technically the Braves and Mets they're they're tied. So whoever loses that has a ten and a half game lead as of right now. And I fully anticipate that the loser of that division 
will end up being the number one wildcard team. Um, and the Phillies and Padres feel pretty safe. The only other team that has a shot is the Brewers. Um, they are three games back of the Phillies and Padres who have the uh, are tied with a three-game lead over them right now. <clears throat> I know I do like the Brewers, but it's weird because they also had what felt like a little bit of a seller's trade deadline. Um, so maybe they're just thinking super long-term and not just for this season. Maybe they knew that they weren't quite good enough to take it all this year, but that they could, you know, if they did, if they made the right moves, I'm like trading Josh Hader. Like to me, that's crazy. Granted, he hasn't been fantastic for the Padres, which I also love to see sometimes. Um, but they're going to really have to step on it and get with it. I mean, three games isn't, isn't that crazy to have to try and make up, but um, the Phillies are playing pretty solid baseball right now as well. And the Padres is, even though they've been kind of slumping, I don't anticipate them, with the, with the talent they have, I would be very shocked if they actually miss the playoffs. Now, for the American League, though, it's a little bit more interesting. Um, I do think, for the most part, the teams that are currently in the playoff hunt, I think they'll probably stay there. Um, you've got the Astros at the top right now, which is crazy. They, I mean, they've just been so they played so well, and the Yankees just have not been nearly as good. Um, cause now the, the, you know, what looked like a shoe in for an, uh, Yankees Dodgers world series, the Yankees are, are not up at the top anymore. The Astros have played much better baseball down the stretch. They now have a five and a half game lead over the Yankees for the American league and a 10 game lead over Seattle for the American league West. Uh, the Astros are for, you know, they're definitely going to win that division. Um, they, which they are the best team in that division. Uh, but they, they might end up running away with it at this point. Um, uh, now, other than that, you know, you got the Yankees who have a four and a half game lead over Tampa. Um, I do still think they're the best team in that division. I don't anticipate that they're going to blow that division, but it is a lot closer than it was earlier in the year. Um, so I think for them to have, a, in my opinion, a realistic shot of actually making it to the World Series, they probably need to turn things around a little bit. Um, the most interesting part of the entire playoffs right now, you know, other than who wins the NL East between the Mets and Braves, I think is who wins the American League Central because that was one of the tighter races as well because you've got the Guardians with only a game and a half lead over the Twins. Um, neither team is playing lights out to where I feel like they absolutely deserve it. Uh, but the Guardians, I feel like, have a better chance. They just feel like a better team top to bottom. Uh, but it won't shock me at, at all if the Twins end up overtaking them and, and keeping the Guardians out of the playoffs. Um, they're very, very similar teams, and I it could really go either way. I don't anticipate either of them making that deep of a run in the playoffs, but you know, sometimes all you got to do is get there. And uh, I mean, you look at what the Nationals did a few years ago. If you get there, you're in good shape. That's all that matters. Um, other than that, the wild card teams you got Tampa and Seattle, who are actually tied right now. They have a game and a half lead over uh, Toronto. Uh, so right now, those three teams would be the wild card teams. Um, and I think it's probably going to stay that way. I like Toronto. I think that they're good enough to hold on to that last wild card spot, if not push up a little bit and even go higher in the wild card race. Um, but the teams like on the outside just don't feel like they're quite good enough to like overtake um, the Orioles, which has just been a huge surprise of a season. I mean, they're they're in the thick of it and they have a shot of potentially making it as a wild card team. I just... I just don't see it. I just don't think that they're quite good enough to get there. Uh, the White Sox could theoretically win the division or make it into the playoffs as a wild card as a like 
late late season push. Um, and I just don't really see that as that really happening either. And then you got the Red Sox who are so streaky. And if any one of these outside teams is going to do it, I guess it would be the Red Sox. But they need to get hot now and they need to stay hot and they need a little bit of help from some other teams if they want to push their way into the playoffs. Um, but I'm excited, man. We're we're literally a few weeks away from from playoff baseball and uh, it's really heating up. Um, and I, I'm excited to see how it finishes down the stretch. But we'll move on now to uh, college football. We'll start with a recap of last week. I know we did have our episode, um, our first college football episode last week with uh, Andy Crawford and Taylor Pyatt. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Um, we're gonna. I'm just going to recap just a little bit of kind of what happened last week. Um, there wasn't a lot of craziness. It wasn't um, anything too, like, no huge upsets, no, like, com- you know, complete blowouts or anything like that. Um, well, I say complete blowouts. Georgia did absolutely destroy Oregon, which I think proved that Oregon was just a little bit overrated. Um, so you did have that. Georgia looks very, very good offensively. I think that they uh, have a very, very good shot now after seeing that to be um, a defending national title and repeat it uh, because not only did they win, they put up 49 points, they also only allowed three. Um, so the defense is still playing well and the offense looks better than it was last year, which could be very scary. Um, obviously, Oregon, I don't think is the toughest matchup they'll have all year. But um, it's definitely one that, you know, it's a big name program. So and, and, you know, all the attention was on them. So uh, kudos to the dogs for for coming out and and winning in the way they did. I do think that the um, biggest upset, though, was definitely Florida beating Utah, which when you look at the teams and the programs on paper, you wouldn't normally think, yeah, you know, Florida is an underdog and, uh, uh, you know, non-ranked team upsetting a ranked top seven Utah team. Uh, But I know both Andy and uh, Taylor last week both thought that Utah had a really good shot at making the playoff. After that loss, that's going to be, it's a tough road back. Uh, That's the, that's the danger with college football is when you lose a game, you have a lot of proving to do to get yourself back up uh, into the playoff consideration, at least while it's still only four, because we did get the approval finally to see 12 teams. I'm excited about it. I think it should have happened a long time ago, um, but I'm glad it's going to happen eventually. Uh, Florida, though, back on that subject, I think that they are a pretty good team. They're always, you know, they always, they're kind of streaky in my opinion. Um, Sometimes they they come out and they have a series of games that they probably should have lost that they win. And then sometimes they come out and they win, you know, uh, they, they blow games that they probably should have never lost. Um, I think that they're going to be decent. Uh, I think that uh, Anthony Richardson really stepped in as the quarterback and is looking like he could be the real deal. I think he could, if he continues up the pace that he just did, is a very serious Heisman candidate. I mean, he ended up having only 168 passing yards, which isn't crazy, but his rushing ability is something else. I mean, he had 11 rushes for 106 yards and three touchdowns. Um, from the quarterback position, if you can do that, you're a game changer. And in college, it's it's almost unfair. You have you're gonna have such a not an easier time, but a pretty solid chance of making it as a Heisman candidate if he can keep it up. Um, the other otherwise the other big game was uh, Notre Dame and Ohio State. It was a top five matchup between the two teams. Um, kind of as expected. Notre Dame doesn't ever seem to live up to these hypes of these big 
top 10 matchup games. Um, they were in this game, at least, you know, they, they didn't get blown out. Um, so that's a good step in the right direction for the program, but Ohio state, you know, ended up winning in the end. Um, and, uh, and Ohio state just looks the part, you know, they're, they're, they're strong enough. They've got a team that's built to win. And, uh, if they can, you know, this will be one of their tougher games. They'll have plenty of other tough games as well, but, uh, to come out early and, and get a, a decisive win against Notre Dame is, is great. Um, Jackson Smith in, in Jigba, though, the in, he did suffer a little bit of injury and, and looks a little bit hobbled. We'll we'll wait to see if there's a little more information on that. But that could be a huge deal for a team that uh, is expected to be very good because he is a, a top 10 uh, prospect for the NFL. I think he is a very, very talented wide receiver. And without him, I, I, I'm i not real positive what, what will happen uh, for C.J. Stroud. He's got other weapons, obviously, but none of them are as good as JSN. Um, so we'll hope to see him get back on the field healthy. Uh, we did have two pretty wild games, one more so than the other, but one kind of uh, unfortunate finish and one wild wacky finish. Um, the, the West Virginia pit game that was on Thursday of last week. Uh, you had the, the unfortunate pick six with the ball going right through the receiver's hands for West Virginia and it getting taken to the house and just to lose in that fashion. It's just so tough. Um, I don't think either team was, you know, making a playoff run, but when you're trying to establish these programs, um, I think that, you know, you, you got to win these top 25 matchup games and that's just a tough way to lose for West Virginia. Um, so we'll see if they bounce back and, and play better next week. Um, they did a lot to win that game. It's just the, the one mistake really cost them, but the, um, LSU and Florida state game on the other hand was just nuts i mean it was back and forth most of the game and then absolutely insane and completely it was it was just the perfect way to wrap up the first week of football because we needed i was excited for it and i'm really really glad that we got to see it um because it god th those kinds of games is what makes people love football and makes it exciting to watch um a couple of the heisman candidates just some notes um on you know their performances you had uh, bryce young uh, who was last year's winner. He ended up with uh, 18 for 28 for 195 yards. He did throw five touchdowns. Granted, of all the teams that played, they probably had the easiest matchup against Utah State. But you got to come up and, and show what you can do in those positions. And so he, he definitely did that because he also threw on top uh, five rushes for 100 yards and another touchdown. So uh, pretty decent shot of uh, returning his or his Heisman title chances. Um You've got C.J. Stroud, who's on the, the odds-on favorite, who definitely had probably one of the tougher matchups of the uh, Heisman candidates. Uh, he was 24-34 for 223 yards and two touchdowns. He was very efficient, uh, really did a good job of spreading the ball around, especially after JSN went down. Um, I don't think that this game in particular is going to win him a Heisman, but he didn't do anything to lose it. So um, still definitely somebody that you can – place bets on it's not going to win you a lot of money because he was the odds on favorite but um definitely someone to keep an eye on um i know caleb williams my us my new usc quarterback he put up quite a performance again he didn't really have a tough matchup against rice um but his completion percentage i think to me was the most exciting thing the fact that he was 19 of 22 uh for 249 yards two touchdowns no picks um and he only played basically the first half uh played a little bit into the third quarter but after they scored early in the third, 
they took him out. Um, and he had, you know, he shows his rushing upside as well as he had 68 rushing yards. Uh, definitely someone to watch to see how he continues against some tougher opponents. Um, I know that uh, Andy Crawford had a deep, deep uh, Heisman candidate who, honestly, after week one, especially against a team like Oregon, the fact that Stetson Bennett had the game that he did and if their offense is really this good, I mean, man, you should have put money on that last week because you would have been could potentially have won some serious, serious cash. He ended up 25 of 31 for 368 yards and two touchdowns. He did also run a touchdown in as well. He just looks good. He looks good with the team around him. He looks ready to to try and win games. And I think that uh, I think there's honestly a pretty good shot if he can if the if Georgia stays really 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 dominant and the offense continues to perform well. I don't see any reason why he couldn't be at least in the uh, in the race. Um, and then the last name I'll mention, just somebody that I really like, um, might be a better NFL prospect than a Heisman candidate. But Bijan Robinson, um, I'm excited to see what he does against Texas. This, or I'm sorry, against Alabama this week. The running back for Texas, though, uh, he went 10 of 71 and then had three catches for 40 yards. Uh, he had a touchdown on the ground and in the air, just 100 all-purpose yards and two touchdowns, just a solid performer. Um, if he can do the same kind of thing against Alabama, the, the dude is going to be awesome. He is one of my favorite talents to watch. Um, I would love to see him have a blow-up game, especially if it was against Alabama. would really go a long way for his uh, potential Heisman candidacy. Uh, we'd also need to see uh, to probably Texas be a little bit better as a team and get, you know, a ranked and be probably closer to the top 10 if we're really going to consider him as a Heisman candidate. Um, and then, like I mentioned earlier, Anthony Richardson, keep an eye on him. He had a phenomenal game and he's the type of player that if he puts up numbers like he just did, that he will definitely have a legitimate shot of, uh, of being a Heisman candidate as well, especially in a tough sec. Uh, going into next week though, um, there's really four games of note to highlight. Um, you know, early on in the season, we, we don't get a ton. We have a lot of the, the best teams playing really, really, you know, small schools to, you know, build those programs up and give them a chance to make a name for themselves. Uh, but the four games I will highlight are Texas, Alabama, like I just mentioned before, uh, Texas, they, they have to kind of put up or shut up now. I don't think they have to necessarily win this game to prove that they're going to be up and coming, but I think they need to be in it. And uh, I think, I think they could, although I just, you know, there's a there's something in my gut that just says that Bama's going to wipe the floor with them because Bama seems to always do that in these big matchups um, when it's in the early, early season. Um, then you got Kentucky-Florida, which is a very, very big, important game for the SEC East. Um, obviously, Georgia is the odds-on favorite to win the East, um, but Kentucky and Florida are both teams that Georgia's going to have to go through to try and Make sure that they stay on top. Um, I think that this game will prove a lot about the quality of the teams beneath Georgia in the East. Um, and obviously, after the performance of Florida last week, if they can go out and, and perform well against Kentucky, they should uh, have a very legitimate shot at you know win not only winning the East, but going even further than that if they can keep keep winning football games. Uh, then you got USC Stanford. Um, it's you know game two of the uh, Lincoln Riley era with Caleb Williams and um, 
I think that this game is important because USC in the past has been known. They, they play Stanford early a lot in over the last several seasons, and they tend to drop this game pretty often. Um, so no, seeing where they're at now with a new coach and a new offense and uh, seeing this will kind of prove to me as a fan and probably to most people whether or not they're actually legitimate or not. Um, if they can go in and not only win, but if they can go in and win easily, that would be a, a huge win for Lincoln Riley on that program and a very encouraging sign for the future. So we'll see what happens there. Um, I do think USC should win, but you never know. They seem to blow the game against Stanford a lot. Um, and then the only other game that's interesting is a rematch of last year. You have Tennessee and Pitt. Um, Pitt obviously coming off of the big win against West Virginia on the flute play. In Tennessee, you know they, they they put a whopping on their on their no name teams that they've played so far. Um, but if if Tennessee is going to be legitimate, they need to come out and show that they can win this game because they lost this game last year to Pitt, and so they need to show that they can beat a team like Pittsburgh, um, so that they can also be another SEC East team that could maybe make a name for themselves. Um, I, I think they should. I think they're a good team, and I think that they have a good chance of winning that game. But um, I, we'll see what happens. Um, stay tuned on Saturday. These are going to be some fun games to watch for sure. Now, the moment that I know I'm probably most excited for, but I'm a huge NFL fan. But week one of the NFL season is here. I'm ex so excited. You got the game. Uh, I'm going to say tonight because it'll be, since this is airing Thursday morning, um, tonight's game against the Rams and Bills is going to be great. Uh, totally a potential Super Bowl matchup preview. Um, the difference being that uh, game one and game 22 or whatever it is to, to win a Super Bowl now uh, is totally different. Um, you know, you've got so much pressure on early, not that it's not later, but the, you know, the opening game in LA, Buffalo coming to the Rams to try and, uh, and knock off the defending champions. Um, it's just going to be so exciting. I'm, I'm so happy that football is back. I'm so happy that the NFL is back. Um, it's it's going to be a fun one to watch. I'm so glad that they decided to to, to make this the, the week one matchup because the Bills looked like a very, very good Super Bowl contender. Uh, they were so close last year, um, but some probably some overtime rules away from getting their chance to actually go there. Um, Josh Allen is been playing at such a high level that um, I wouldn't be surprised if he made an MVP case this year and does lead them to a Super Bowl. Um, I know if you hadn't seen already, um, I had posted on Instagram and on Facebook. I have my uh, predictions for the season. I have the like the pro projected division winners and the playoff brackets. Um, I'm predicting an all LA Super Bowl. I think that the Chargers are going to take down the Rams in the Super Bowl. Um, but obviously, if the Bills win, it's not going to shock anyone. I mean, they're this—they're the sportsbook favorite to win, um, and it, it starts Thursday night. I mean, just to say the least, they're a two and a half point favorite against the defending champs in LA. Uh, so that just sh goes to show you how good of a team that they really have, and they probably might, in my opinion, probably do have the best balanced team from top to bottom. Uh, we'll just see if they can handle the pressure of having that all season long and go all the way to a championship at the end of the year. Um, but I'm excited for tomorrow. Uh, there are a couple other intriguing matchups this weekend that I'm very excited about. 
Um, as a Cowboys fan, I'm looking forward to the rematch against the Bucks, which was the opening game of last year, which did not disappoint. It was a shootout. Um, to if anyone remembers, it was the the Cowboys went down and kicked a, field, a late field goal, but they left too much time on the clock. And of course, you can't do that with Brady. He went down the field and also kicked a field goal uh, to win it. And uh, I'm hoping for a little bit of revenge. Um, it's intriguing, though, for, not only for that, but because um, I think, in my opinion, both of these teams took not huge steps back, but at least a little bit of a step back from what they were last year. The Cowboys, between their offensive line, and between some of their receivers being banged up, I just don't think offensively look as good as they probably were last year. I'm not going to count that they're going to be a poor offense because Dak Prescott and, the, and some of the weapons they have are going to be very productive. And Kellen Moore does do a pretty good job of, of using his weapons um, in that offense. Um, and then Brady obviously also lost some offensive linemen. Their receivers have some injuries. They also lost a couple of defenders. Uh, in free agency. So I, like I said, I think they both took a little bit of a step back um, with the winner of this game, I think will show uh, a decent chance of being the team to a, a team to beat in the NFC. Um, I think, you know, if the Bucks go out and win, I, I already think that they're probably going to win the NFC South anyways, but it'll, you know, it's just further stamp and put our confidence back in Brady as if he really deserve or really he deserves it. But if he, as if we doubted him ever in the first place, a um, couple other interesting matchups, you've got the Steelers and Bengals. Um, I'm very intrigued to see if Cincinnati comes out as hot as they finished the year last year. Obviously they came up just short against the Rams. Um, but I think that they've, you know, you know, they've made their offensive line better and their defense is still improving. Um, I think that they have a very good chance of making it back to the Super Bowl. Um, but they're going against their arch rivals in the Steelers, who are now headed by a new quarterback and Mitch Trubisky. Um, it'll be interesting to see how the Steelers come out and if they're going to be a you know a, a good team this year, um, because they just missed the playoff or they just barely made the playoffs last year with a hobbled and you know kind of washed up Ben Ben Roethlisberger. So if you know Trubisky or Pickett can come out and show that they are you know, solid enough in better than what we got out of Roethlisberger last year. There's no reason why they couldn't make a run uh, at this division, uh, but it's going to be a tough division because the, the Bengals Browns and, and Ravens all have all want a taste for it as well. So uh, that'll be a fun one to watch uh, the Packers and Vikings. I'm very excited for, because I am really excited to see Kevin O'Connell's offense with the Vikings. I think they could be very explosive. Um, and I'm also interested to see what the Packers do now without Devontae Adams. Is Rodgers just going to come out and show us that he doesn't need anyone but himself to win <laughs> to win another MVP? Um, or is was Devontae Adams and that connection that he had with him going to really be the key uh, to, to what really made that team go for so long? Um, if you looked at my predictions, I have the Vikings winning that division. It's a close race, but I think that Vikings are just slightly better uh, than the Packers are. Um, but this will be a this will be a good start. Whoever wins this game obviously has a, the first leg up on the division. So we'll see what happens there. Um, Chiefs Cardinals is also another one. Two very high powered offenses. Again, another you know Mahomes without Tyree Kill. We'll see in his whole new receiving core. We'll see how he handles it. Um, I expect this game probably to be the highest scoring game of the week. I think we have two very elite offenses uh, going against each other. 
and uh, Kyler Murray will finally, get, you know, he'll get a chance to, uh, if he can come out and beat Patrick Mahomes, you know, start to prove some doubters wrong that he he's good enough to be in this league and he's good enough to to lead this team to to do more than just make the playoffs, but you know, actually make a run at it. Um, and then the the last one, and I know I, I've got. So many favorite uh, other Raiders fans around that uh, that <laughs> are very excited for the Raiders Chargers rematch, which was the uh, the Week 18 game last year for a playoff spot. And um, I'm you know the new look Raiders with Devontae Adams and Chargers with their rebuilt defense and improved offensive line. Um, like I said, the Chargers are my favorite to win the Super Bowl, and any win in these division in these divisional games for the AFC West are going to be huge. So it'll be a very, very fun game to watch. Uh, it was fun to watch last year, and I'm excited that we get to see it week one uh, early. Uh, there are a couple other games that probably, I don't know if they're going to be as interesting to watch because of like the, the two teams that are going against each other, but there are some revenge game narratives that are going to be kind of fun. You've got Baker Mayfield um, going against, on the Panthers now, now going against the Browns, who was just traded from uh, because of the Deshaun Watson trade and everything that kind of went with that. Um, Baker Mayfield gets to go out and immediately show Cleveland that they made a mistake, that they shouldn't have mortgaged their entire future for a guy who ended up getting suspended, that that he was the answer. He can definitely do that and go out and win week one and, and prove that. It would be a little bit sweeter if it was against Deshaun Watson, but the suspension is obviously not going to allow that to happen. Um, you got another revenge narrative uh, with Zach Wilson being ruled out for this weekend. Um, Joe Flacco is going to start at quarterback for the Jets. And his first game uh, this season is going to be against his former team in the Ravens, which will be kind of fun. Um, I don't, the Ravens are a much better football team. I don't really expect the Jets to win this game. Um, but you never know when you get these revenge games and you get uh, a guy like Flacco, you know, not that he left on bad terms with uh, with Baltimore, but you know he found his way out the door, and uh, it'll it'll be fun to see if he can go out and at least make it a competitive game. Um, I did pick, you know, I do a survivor pick them every year where you you get to pick one team each week uh, to win their matchup, and once you pick that team, you cannot use them the rest of the year. Um, I did pick Baltimore to win this game. It's a little bit nerve wracking because I think, like I said, the revenge narrative. Makes it a little scary, um, but I just think that the Ravens are a much better team than, than the Jets, and so I expect them to win this game. Um, and then the last one, which is the Monday night game, so I'm very, very excited for that um, and excited that the Manning cast will be back as well. Um, but you got Russell Wilson going against his former team in the Seahawks. I don't really think the Seahawks have much of a chance in this game. I think the Broncos are a much, much better team. Um, but I mean, if Geno Smith comes out and plays really well, I mean, their offense isn't really that bad. Their defense, I don't think is going to be very good. Um, but the offense is at least decent enough to maybe make it, you know, competitive. Uh, but I just, I just don't see any way Russell Wilson doesn't go out and, and show what, you know, the reason why he is still a, a you know, a, a top quarterback in this league. Um, and you know, maybe make Seattle regret their decision to let him go. Um, granted it was he wanted it, not that they wanted him out. So uh, looking forward to a couple of those matchups. There's obviously a lot of other good good games this weekend, but those are the, the, the ones that I'm definitely looking the most forward to. Um, and lastly, to, you know, to kind of finish up this week's episode, we're going to do a little bit of fantasy start and sit. Just got a little bit 
not going to go too deep into fantasy this week, uh, mostly because it's week one. So when you're doing fantasy and you have already done your draft and you're getting your lineup set for week one, you've drafted a team of people that you feel pretty confident in. If you didn't feel confident in these people, you wouldn't have drafted them. Um, So there's no reason to get cute in week one. You know, go with the guys that you drafted because you already have a conviction that you believe that they're going to be solid. Um, There are a couple instances, and most of them are somewhat injury-related as to why I might sit somebody. Um, But for the most part, if you drafted them as a starter, you're starting them as a starter. You're not going to bench them for somebody you picked up late as a dart throw. Uh, unless you're in deep leagues, then obviously you 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 know you have some some tough decisions that sometimes that you have to make. Um, but and if you have any of those, like I said earlier, please send me send me voice messages, send me DMs on Instagram, comment on Facebook. Uh, I'd be more than happy to answer some of your start sit questions. Um, one of the ones, one of my biggest sits of somebody that you would probably most likely be starting in most instances this week is Matthew Stafford. And the biggest reason I say that, because I do expect this game to, uh, tonight to be a very, uh, you know, a, a pretty high scoring game, which if that's the case, that means that Stafford's going to have to have a pretty good game. Um, but I think if you have another option, which you most likely don't, unless you're in probably a sh- more shallow league, or even if you're in a two quarterback league and you have two pretty solid, you know, other options at quarterback. Stafford's shoulder injury scares me a little bit, and he's one of the people that I would like to see what he does before I feel super comfortable starting him in my lineup. Now, like I said, I'm not going to get super cute with this decision. Um, There's really only a handful of names that I think that are potential options that either A, you drafted with Matthew Stafford, or B, in a shallower league, might be available uh, on your waivers. And that's, uh, you know, Derek Carr, I would start over him. Trey Lance, I would start over him. Aaron Rodgers, I would start over him. And Kirk Cousins, I would start over him. Uh, but nobody really else on the waiver wire, some of the streaming options like your Ryan Tannehills, your Matt Ryans, your, you know, those type of quarterbacks are not guys that I really want to start over Stafford. If, if he is my main starter, I'm not going to drop somebody off of my bench uh, just to get a different start because there's just as equal of an upside for Stafford in a high scoring affair for ha- him to have a really good game. Just be cautious. If you do have other options, he might be pivot somebody you can pivot um, at running back. Like I said, if anyone you drafted as a top 24 running back, you're probably starting, but there are a couple names um, that are interesting um, that were kind of on the edge that are probably either flex plays or maybe you went really running back heavy early, and so you kind of have some options. Um, I think one of them being Antonio Gibson. Um, his ADP fell tremendously over the last couple of weeks and then shot back up a little bit after the Brian Robinson injury, you know, him uh, him getting shot in the leg and uh, and being out and putting put on PUP for the first four weeks at least. Um, I think makes him intriguing. He's going against Jacksonville, who is a, a, not a great defense. Um, and I think he now has something to prove. So I, I definitely feel comfortable starting Antonio Gibson, despite all of the concerns we had about him the last couple of weeks. Um, same thing for a guy like Travis Etienne uh, in the same game against Washington. Uh, the James Robinson news that he is going to play doesn't really scare me for week one. Um, I, if, you know, I, I, 
know that James Robinson is going to play, but ETN, I still expect to a get a bulk of the carries just because I think that I don't, I would be shocked if they just give James Robinson a ton of carries right after that tough Achilles injury. Cause it seems like he's coming back way too soon for, um, so a, I don't expect them to give him a ton of work, but B, I also expect them to be trailing in this game, which means they're going to be throwing more, which is more of ETN's forte anyways. Um, so I do think that he's still a pretty, a really good match or really good play for this week. So I'm comfortable still starting him. Um, a couple of guys that I am probably not going to play that I drafted as potential starters, um, JK Dobbins, and that is a hundred percent injury related. Um, every move that the Ravens have made over the last couple weeks with their roster leads me to believe that even if he is cleared to play in this game, then they're probably not going to give him a full workload, um, which is for fantasy purposes is not something I want to test. I want to let him come out and play well before I feel comfortable putting him in my lineup. So if you have another running back, like a, you know, Miles Sanders or Damian Pierce or somebody you got a little bit later, um, I would definitely be starting them over uh, J.K. Dobbins this week, even if he is cleared to play. Um, another one who is probably really tough to sit because you probably got him as one of your starting running backs, um, so your options are probably not that much better. Um, but in the rare instance where you maybe you went really receiver heavy early and then in and uh, have some f- flexibility at your flex, um, Zeke is somebody that I'm very nervous for, for week one. I like him relatively overall for season long, but week one, Tampa has always had a pretty solid run defense. We saw last year in that shootout game. um, He had a very, very tough time finding holes. They tried to get him involved. Uh, It didn't really work out very well for them. So they ended up having to just pass a ton, um, which isn't a bad thing because he can catch passes. So I think in PPR leagues, he's still fine, but I just, he's more of like, tough flex play at this point for this week than the RB two that I think you drafted him to be. Um, so if you have some better options, I think I definitely would pivot. Uh, but I know he is one of the harder ones to probably sit. Um, a couple of other names that, uh, I really like that are probably, you know, more flex plays or at least guys that you probably drafted as flex plays, uh, Damian Pierce against Indianapolis. I think that, uh, everything we have seen, he's listed as top of the running back depth chart in, in uh, Houston, uh, I think he has a pretty good shot of having a very solid game. Uh, he's somebody that I don't mind starting. Miles Sanders against uh, the Lions, I think, is a good start. The Lions have not really had that great of a run defense. Uh, Miles Sanders has been cleared to play. I think that they are going to at least start the year uh, trying to be very involved with their run game. They they, they tend to start that way a lot. Um, they'll they'll use their, their receiving weapons for sure, but I think they're going to establish the run to get to play action and be able to open up the rest of that offense. So I think maybe we finally see Miles Sanders score a touchdown, which he was not able to do last week or last year. Um, Another name I like, and it is a little bit of a tougher matchup, but um, I think that Rashad Penny is a solid play for this week. I think that um, with Kenneth Walker, his status still being a little bit uncertain, not really sure yet if his groin is going to be ready to play in week one, if he is out, Penny is definitely in my lineup. If, uh, if even if he does play, though, I don't expect him to have a huge workload out the gate. A as a rookie, and B with the injury. Um, so I think even in a tough matchup, you can probably expect a lot of usage out of Rashad Penny. 
Um, so he's definitely somebody that I would like to use. And then Kareem Hunt, um, more more than more often than not, he's uh, one of the best flex plays you can get. Um, but I expect the Carolina and and uh, Cleveland game to be relatively higher scoring. Um, and so I think that Kareem Hunt could easily get very involved in this offense. Um, and I can see Jacoby Brissett kind of relying on him as one of his like go-to targets in the passing game, even though he's a running back. I think that uh, there's pretty good precedent for him using his running backs in that way. And uh, I think against Carolina, I think that's a pretty good matchup for him to be able to, for him and Chubb both to have good games. Um, there are, a couple of running backs that I probably don't really want to start unless I'm desperate. And like I said, in, in week one, you shouldn't be desperate yet unless you're in a really deep league. Um, a couple a couple of the names that I'm not really a fan of this week, Damian Harris against Miami. Uh, Miami has not really, or Miami has been a pretty solid run defense over the last uh, season or two. And I, I think that um, this game could very easily end up getting out of hand for the Patriots. I kind of think Miami uh, probably could win this game. And if they get behind, I don't think Damian Harris is going to be the one that's going to be in the game. I think it's going to be Ramondre Stevenson. Um, so I probably, if you can avoid starting Damian Harris, I think I probably would. Um, a couple other running backs I don't like. Really any of the running backs in this opening game, uh, the, the Bills and Rams. Cam Akers is another one with injury concern that I want to see. Um what he does first before I move on to, you know, starting him every week. Um, I know a lot of people aren't going to be able to bench him because he was drafted as your RB two, but just take a cautious approach with him. Let's, you know, let's see how they, how they use, utilize him early in the season and see how effective he is. Um, and same thing for the other side, both, you know, Devin Singletary and James Cook. I, I I need to see how they deploy this backfield first before I feel comfortable starting either any of them in my lineup. Um, this will be a good a good test to see it because it'll be a, should be a high scoring game. So we should get to see kind of a little bit of you know who's got the running downs, who's got the early downs, who's got the goal line work, who's got the passing game work. I think we'll see a little bit of that. Um, and so if one name kind of rises above the others, it'll make me feel a little more comfortable for going forward. But to start out, um, it's not really somebody I want to start for week one. Um, and then the last name I'll mention is Brees Hall in week one. Um, he's going to be a tough start early in the season for the, like, in general. Um, I hope that he can push Michael Carter out of the way and kind of get more of the bulk of the carries. Uh, but week one, he's not somebody I feel super confident in, especially against a Ravens defense that is improved and healthy now. Um, I think that they're going to probably split carries and I wouldn't even be surprised if in week one, Michael Carter ends up with a heavier workload than Brees Hall. Maybe they don't, maybe they, you know, they, they could give him more of the work because he was the better draft pick and probably the better talent. Um, I just don't think it's going to be enough to feel really comfortable starting him here in week one. Now at receiver, um, it's very a similar concept. Again, if you have uh, guys that you started as starters, you're more than likely going to use them in week one. Um, this is definitely one to where people usually have more conviction because it's usually less based off of opportunity and it's more based off of talent and team. Um, so if you drafted these guys, you definitely really like them. Um, and so I think that 
it's going to be hard to bench a lot of these uh, a lot of these guys. Um, but a couple of the guys that I really like for this week, um, I Juju against Arizona. Like I said earlier, I expect this to probably be one of the more high scoring games in the, of the week. Um, and I'd be very shocked if at least week one that Juju wasn't one of uh, Patrick Mahomes' favorite targets. Um, if he can get in the end zone and score, I think that uh, that is going to make his, his entire week for you. Um, I expect Kelsey to score plenty, but I also think that uh, that Juju is going to be pretty heavily involved um, early on, especially in games when they're in shootouts like this. So Juju is definitely somebody that I'm very interested in. Um, another name I really like this week is Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, he's somebody that you probably drafted as a potential flex play, maybe as your wide receiver too, if you went heavy at other positions. Um, but he's definitely somebody I would like to start because I think, honestly, most of the season, especially with Jamison Williams missing a lot of time, um, I think that he's, I honestly think that he's the go-to target for Jared Goff. And I think he showed that last year. And I know there were a lot of missing uh, players while he was getting all those targets, you know, Swift was banged up and Hawkinson was out. Um, but I think they still established a rapport. And I think early on in the season, he's going to, you know, Goff is going to go with what he trusts. And in a game against Philly where I expect them to be losing, I expect them to be throwing a, a good bit in this game. Um, so I think Swift, both Swift and Amon Ra are both going to probably get plenty of looks uh, and targets in this game. Um, so I'm definitely very comfortable starting Amon Ra. <laughs> Um, Elijah Moore is another one almost for the same reason. Um, we actually saw a lot of the games where Elijah Moore was productive last year were the games that Zach Wilson did not play. And so with Flacco playing and in a game where they're, again, they're also expected to trail. I think that uh, Elijah Moore could easily have a very good game, especially while they're still kind of getting Garrett Wilson acclimated to this offense. Uh, same thing with Brees Hall and that backfield trying to figure that out. I think Elijah Moore is the consistent uh, carryover from last year, and I think that uh, he, you know, he has somewhat of a connection with Flacco because Flacco was on the team before, um, and so I think that there's a pretty good chance that they have a pretty solid game together, uh, especially in PPR, where I think he could get a lot of catches this week. Um, another name I like uh, is Chris Olave against Atlanta. I don't normally love rookie wide receivers early on in the season, um, but I think Olave, with Michael Thomas being back, I think he really, for the most part, does enough to probably take attention away from Olave, um, especially if they put AJ Terrell on Michael Thomas instead of Chris or instead of Chris Olave. Uh, I think that opens up Olave to have a great game because Atlanta's defense is not fantastic outside of AJ Terrell really. And so if Terrell is focuses on Michael Thomas, I think Olave could have a very, very good game. Um, so he's definitely somebody that I would like to see uh, in a lot of lineups. I'll probably start him in some DFS lineups because I don't really have a lot of him in my leagues, but I think that he has a really good shot of a good week this week, even as a rookie. Um, now, in terms of guys that to, to be cautious with, for the most part, they're all injury concerns. Uh, I just mentioned Michael Thomas. Um, he, I would like to see him play a week uh, coming off of his basic almost two full year uh, absence uh, and going against potentially A.J. Terrell. I think I would like to see it first before I really feel comfortable starting him. Um, but I also understand if you if you can't really afford to bench him. He is definitely a, a big name that you probably took 
as a potential starter. But if you have better options, I'm definitely fine with doing that. And same thing with Chris Godwin. He's another name that his, you know, his value slid a little bit because he was coming off the injury. So you might have some other guys you feel comfortable starting, um, but he was still like a fifth round pick. So for some people, he was still your wide receiver too. Um, if he plays, which it's kind of looking like he will, he's just a, he's a risky play. It's a great matchup. It should be a fun game to watch. Should be a, uh, what I'm hoping is a high scoring game. Um, just be a little cautious because the injury, they're, they're probably going to take it easy with them, especially with how many receiver weapons that they already have on this team. You know, they added Russell Gage, who's also a little banged up. You have to watch him as well. And you have Julio Jones, who's a, a walking torn hamstring, I feel like, at all times. So you never really know. And then Mike Evans has had his own injury concerns. So if they all have injury concerns, then you might as well pretend like none of them do and just go with those guys. Just be a little cautious with a guy like him. Um, the other injury that we're still kind of waiting to hear a little bit more from is Jalen Waddle. Um, if he plays, I'm definitely starting him. I think that, uh, this is a matchup where he could do really well against the Patriots. Um, but if he's going to be limited and you have another option, I would definitely pivot. Um, but just, you're going to, we're going to have to keep our eye on the news on him, uh, to see where we go with, with, with him. Um, a couple of the other guys that, not really a part one of them's injury. One is just, I don't know. I really don't know what to expect after the year last year, the injury one, Deontay Johnson, uh, again, another guy that, um, if he's healthy, I'm probably starting him, but if he's like not a hundred percent, uh, I would like to find another option. Um, just because he, he relies so much on PPR catches and some of his explosive after the catch plays. And, uh, if he can't do that, I just don't know how much value he'll have for you in week one. Um, against the Bengals, it, it should be a good matchup for him, but um, I would like to see him cleared from the injury report before I'm super comfortable throwing him out there. Now, and the other name is Allen Robinson in the game against the, the Bills. Um, I think he could very, very easily have a fantastic game. Um, but my two biggest concerns are the injury to Matthew Stafford. We, I really would, like I said earlier, would really like to see him play well and you know show no concerns that that shoulder is in bad shape um and i just want to see how they use cup and allen robinson in tandem this this year um because there is a non-zero chance that allen robinson last year was actually just washed um and it wasn't all the bears fault that he performed poorly uh, that's definitely a real possibility and robinson is definitely Somebody that if if you can avoid, I'm fine benching him for somebody else. Uh, but I know a lot of people probably don't have that luxury. Um, and I'm if you have to start him, I, I don't hate it because, like I said, it, it's kind of 50-50 to me. I think he either has a really good game or a really bad game. I don't really see an in-between for him. Um, now, some other guys I probably wouldn't start. Um, the Seattle receivers, both DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Lockett's a lot easier to start because you probably got him as a wide receiver three or four, so you probably don't have to start him. Um, but DK is probably a little bit tougher, and if you have to start him, they should be trailing, and they, he should get plenty <coughs> Excuse me, of volume. But um, I definitely would like to see this offense perform before I plug either of them in my lineup. And I think that they're going to kind of both be a little bit boomer bust this year. So, and it's going to come all, you know, ultimately down to how Geno Smith plays or Drew Locke if they bench Geno Smith. 
to see how he, you know, they play this year. Um, another one who you're probably starting, um, but I really am intrigued to see this week first before I feel, you know, make him a, a set it and forget it type guy is Gabe Davis. Also in that game, uh, the Bills Rams game. I think that, um, We've put a lot of hype on him based off of his postseason performance last year. And I hope that it is real, but it's not guaranteed to be real. And so if they go out and they use him enough and that he's a big focal point of this offense, then you're going to feel very comfortable starting him every single week. But if 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 not, you're going to probably, you know, he's going to be more of a boom bust kind of guy, which is kind of what he was last year. So week one is going to be a real, real litmus test on whether or not he is somebody that is reliable or not as a fantasy asset. Um, another name that, uh, I, you know, intriguing is probably the best word, uh, but Amari Cooper, because it's, you know, we're, we're post Dallas days and we're into Cleveland and it's not Cl- Cleveland with Deshaun Watson. It's going to be 11 games with Jacoby Brissett. Um, he's clearly the best receiving option on this team. Um, it's just whether or not Jacoby Brissett can, uh, you know, support Cooper as a solid wide receiver. Um, I think, I think that he has a decent chance of being okay. (coughs) Excuse me. Sorry. I think though that he is, um, it's just going to be tough because if Brissett, if Brissett has trouble in the pocket, or if he's throwing inaccurate passes, if he can't go through his progressions, like, you know, some of the other quarterbacks uh, in Cooper's past have been able to do then I don't see the upside for him. He might just be one of those safe plays that gets you 12 ish points a week, which is fine if that's what you drafted him to be. But if you're relying on him as a wide receiver two or better, um, you might be in for a hurt, but we'll get a lot of, a lot, at least some clarity in week one, uh, on whether or not that he's going to be okay with Brissett behind center. Um, and then a couple of other injury, you know, tags that we're just watching to see how they end up. Uh, none of these guys I really want to start in week one. Um, but in deeper leagues, you, you want to keep an eye on these injury concerns for Alan Lazard, Kadarius, Tony Drake, London and Russell Gage. Um, they all have matchups that, could be intriguing enough to make them decent, you know, deep plays. Um, but I want them to be a hundred percent before I feel comfortable starting any of them in my lineup. Um, so definitely pay attention to the news, get your, get your updates turned on so that you can see those, uh, and, and then make your decision, uh, when, the, when they finally get ruled in or out. Now, lastly at tight end, um, this is probably the easiest position in week one to do because honest, m- most people are, immediately streaming they uh, they probably drafted the guy they want to start for week one or they drafted a guy that they are going to end up setting and forgetting basically every week anyways because if you have a top seven to eight guy you're you're starting them basically every week except their bye week unless they get hurt you know so the the pits kittle kelsey andrews waller all you know hawkinson goddard all those guys you're starting no matter what like it, dalton schultz those guys i'm not worried about it you're starting them you're going to take your lumps with it. That's why you drafted them when you did. Um, but there are a couple other options that I think are interesting, especially for week one. Um, I do like Cole Komet against San Francisco. I do think that he is the, you know, the clear number two target in that offense. And so I think that he could get a lot of volume. Albert Equibanom, I think uh, for the Broncos against Seattle, 
while I don't expect him maybe to get a ton of catches, so in PBR, he's a little less exciting. Um, I do think that he's a pretty good chance of scoring a touchdown, especially in a game when they're expected to win. Um, I think that he has a pretty good shot of scoring. Uh, David Njoku, the tight end for the Browns, kind of similar to to Cooper. We kind of have to see now who Brissett favors. Um, Njoku caught a lot of hype because he kind of looks like he could be the number two target on this offense. Um, and so against Carolina, he could have a decent chance of having a pretty solid game week one. And Austin Hooper against the Giants. I think that that entire receiving core in Tennessee is kind of up for grabs. And if Austin Hooper can go out and have a good game and perform well, I think he could go a long way of being a solid contributor to this offense. And uh, the Giants defense is is so-so, so I think that he has a decent chance of putting up a, a solid game. Um, really, the only other name I'll mention, and it, this one will 100% depend on injury um, because there's a decent chance he does not play this week. Um, but Robert Tunyon, uh, especially if Lazard ends up not playing, but while they figure out their entire offense, Tunyon is one of the only guys that Rodgers knows and trusts. Um, so if he is out there, that there's a good chance that he has a really good game because I think you know Rodgers has always been a product of going to the guys he trusts. And Tunyon could see a lot of volume if he ends up playing and is playing at 100%. And while they kind of figure out that entire offense. Um I will just kind of put a reminder. Don't put a ton of emphasis on your kicker and defense in fantasy. Um, you know, just because you have what is theoretically one of the best defenses in the league, I'm fine dropping them if you have to when they have a bad matchup. I know a lot of people drafted the Bills and Buccaneers as their starting defenses because they're great defenses, but they both have such tough matchups. I would rather start a team like the Colts against the Texans or – the Browns even against the Panthers or some of those type of matchups where they're going against not so great teams who are expected to have high turnover rates. And that's what gets you fantasy points um, just because they have a good defense. They're going against a tough offense. It's not always a good play and kicker is so fluky. You can just, it, it, it's a, it's a wild guess. You're always just kind of going off of who you think has a decent chance of scoring a lot of points or on offenses that are, good at moving the ball, but not great in the red zone. And in week one, we don't have a great concept of what the, which of those teams are going to be, you know, bad red zone teams. Um, so it's a flip of a coin, but don't, don't waste roster space holding a second defense or a second kicker because you're afraid to let some of the top quote unquote top defenses and kickers go. Uh, you're, you're totally fine to let them go and, and play it week on a week by week basis. It's the best way to do it in my opinion, but otherwise, uh, you know, that kind of wraps up the show. Um, I'm very excited for this weekend. I hope you guys are as well. Um, you know, I hoped in the, in the upcoming weeks, I'm going to try, and this is a big try because I, my schedule is very busy, but I would like to, potentially have two episodes a week, an early week episode and a late week episode. One more of a recap of the previous week and one as a preview of the upcoming week. Um, but we'll see. It, it all kind of depends on what I have time for. If I can get two episodes out a week, I will. If not, I'll do kind of more of this episode style where I do a little bit of both. Uh, but thank you guys for listening. Go follow me on social media. Go send in some voice messages. Leave me a, a Apple review, a five-star review. I'll give you some... Uh, some good advice on uh, your start sits and uh, otherwise you guys have a great week. Enjoy that football.
Bye. Los ex-coralais, Steven. ¡Elay! ¡They give me no eagle powers! ¡They give me no nutrients! Sorry. I don't want to get paid to lose. I want to win!